Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. Thanks for joining us today for an inspiring message from our West location. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Get a little switcheroo on me there. Um, hey, a couple of weeks ago we asked you um, all to pray for the uh, plow truck. Did you notice it's back? <laughs> Doug and um, Mike went and uh, got it. It was in Edmonton, and um, it was apparently it was used in a few robberies on the way. And so, but it's all it's all intact. And it's all good. And um, uh, I mean, it's just it's like. Amazing. So thanks for praying. Hey, do you know like prayer works? Um, we want to, we're just going to talk about prayer actually right now. And um, I get to team teach with Pastor Phil um, today. And uh, so that's very exciting. I want to start off the first sermon of the decade talking about prayer. Our, our month is going to be on a closer walk. And there's uh, at least four things that will help in our walk with the Lord. We, we grow in our relationship with the Lord two primary ways, through the Word and through prayer. Those are the two primary ways that we grow in our relationship with the Lord. So um, we're going to be focusing on uh, the Word and prayer and, uh, for the rest of the month, and then we're going to have a little uh, week of fasting in there, which is not a hunger strike. should not be confused with a hunger strike. And uh, we're, neither is it like uh, blackmailing God to get to do stuff. We're not going to eat until you come through. It's not that at all. But it is setting aside a very specific time, and it's deciding that we're not going to um, feed the flesh, but we're going to feed the spirit. And so we do this each year, and uh, usually the, we see specific breakthroughs that week, but then we, if we keep notes, we watch see the breakthroughs all through the year. And so it's just a discipline we've been doing for many, many years, and, um, and I just like to, yeah, in, invite you all to be part of that. And so um, we have, um, this year will be our 25th year as church. And there's, I know, that's a, that's, that's a long time, really. I mean, it's a lifetime if you're under 25, that's what it is. And, and it's, an, it's important to note the, um, that when we're talking about prayer, uh, or, or almost anything. There's private prayer, and then there's corporate prayer. And they're very different. Um, we have, my wife and I have private devotions, and uh, where we, we're, we're private. And then we get together, we have a little corporate meeting. She usually has questions that I can't answer. And, um, but but I mean, I'm talking today about both private and corporate prayer. The, um, the thing about 25 years is it's an interesting landmark for us. We will celebrate in October. We started in October the 4th, 5th, or 6th, somewhere in there. It's, it's too long ago, but, but we moved to Calgary 25 years ago. And there's a few that have belonged for most of the journey. Uh, Gary and Wendy are here that just have unbelievable patience to hang on. And Carl and Dana are here. And a few that are over, like you've got your kind of your 20-year pins, et cetera. Uh, others are on your way up. Um, but you know, the church actually, when I, when I think of the church, I think of it, uh, one of the metaphors for me is it's like a river. And, and there's specific things that people show up 
at our church for to pick up. And then they just kind of keep flowing. There's like a season, it seems. I don't think that's the best metaphor. I think it's meant to be a house. And we're meant to be a family. I think the primary operating system in the kingdom of God is the family of God. Um, I think that's very specific. I think within any family, there's a time where uh, you can be completely um, dependent in that household, and uh, you're, a, you're a net taker. <laughs> Anybody had any babies around lately? They, they just take. They take your sleep, your sanity. I mean, all kinds of stuff gets taken from kids. And, um, but eventually, they become givers, hopefully. <laughs> as soon as they write, when they, our kids could make sandwiches, that's what they did. They didn't look for her, my wife to make sandwiches. Like, you make your own sandwiches. A day's coming where you're going to have to make your own. Nobody told me that I'd have to be my own parent at a certain point uh, when I grew up. And, um, but, but it's a little bit like, like that. that we, we find and for, for us is there's people who have come, and they come for a specific reason and a specific season, and we want to just believe that they get everything they can in that season. I don't think it's a temporary stop for most people, but for some it is. They come just to be healed. And I'm going to pray for healing at the end of the service. Which, when, and when you're healed, it doesn't mean you can leave. I mean, you can leave today, but I mean, it doesn't mean you can just... Well, um, but they come for, to receive certain, whether it's teachings or revelations or love or whatever it is. And, uh, but, but a little bit, it's also quite a bit like a bank, that if you're not making regular deposits, uh, pretty soon you'll find yourself overdrawn. And you'll say... This, this happened in the book of Malachi, actually, right at the, in chapter 4. And they said, they began complaining... And, um, you know, my question to you is, how are you contributing to the local church, the local house of God? Um, you know, for some, that is very specifically, it's praying. I find, I find that I don't grumble about the things I pray about. I don't, think, I don't even think it's possible to, well, you can, your, your, your prayers can sound like a grumble, easily. But uh, when you begin to sincerely pray for a person, this is why... Um, I think we're to pray for our enemies. They no longer become, stay our enemies because you, now be, you, you build a relationship in the spirit and you begin to break down those walls. And, um, and you could probably say that your relationship with the Lord would be very, almost like parallel to your quality of your prayer life. And if your prayer life is not that strong, I, I'm not here to instill guilt, even though it's a decent motivator, it's not biblical. Um, I mean, and many of the times the sermons I heard on prayer, they actually made you feel like you were never doing enough. But just relax, because you all are doing enough. But if you're going to grow in your relationship, as with any relationship, there has to be maintenance, contribution, where you're putting in. And so, so that's what we're doing this season, uh, season of fasting and prayer. We'll be praying. And I even think that, that there's times, because prayer to me is at least three things. It's warfare. It's work. And it's worship. <clears throat> and in all of those, there can be private times like that. I have private worship times all the time. I bless the entire household when I'm worshiping. That was a joke. <laughs> um, no, but I, I pray privately. Uh, sorry, I worship privately. Not just in the showers, like all through the house and all through the backyard. And as I'm driving, I'm worshiping. It just, why? Because, because it recalibrates my heart to the one that's worthy. That's what worship comes from, to recognize worth. 
Um, and so prayer is like that, it's, it's worship. Uh, it's also warfare, and it's also work. And these, there, there's things that we need to do privately, and there's things we need to do corporately. And I, I feel it's really important that we become aware of our part in contributing to the kingdom of God by contributing to the house of God. And this happens in families as well. You, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're just taking, eventually the family's going to get tired of you. You want to be, be attractive in your family, be a giver. And I find I, find, I got relatives that, um, well, maybe I shouldn't talk about my relatives, but <laughs> in case they're watching. Um, no, but you know, you, you know you're, when you're around people that are just taking, you, kind of, you should limit them, right? You should. It's called divine subtraction. Like, cut some people out of your life if they're just taking and sucking life all the time out of you. You need to find some people who are pouring life into you. It's just math. And um, so anyway, I think that, I think that I'm just going to talk about prayer a little bit longer, uh, a little bit later. But for right now, I'm going to introduce my leader, our senior leader, our apostolic leader, Pastor Phil. He's going to set the pace for this decade and he's got a message to share with you this morning on prayer. Just turn your heads while you're already looking. Hey, C3 family, Phil and Chris Pringle here. Yes. We are so excited about the year mm. 2020. I know, we're in it. Yeah, already. We're in it, and it's going to be amazing. We're so looking forward to seeing you all at our Global Presence Tour. Yeah, 20 cities around the world. Yeah, and uh, we want to send a special welcome to all our guests and, visit and visitors across our churches today. If you're a guest yeah. with us, you're so welcome. We're yes. so glad you're with us. And uh, hopefully, as we go into this service, you're going to find out a little bit more about the vision yeah. that we have for the future of C3 and for our expansion all around the world. I know. And you know what? This message today that you're going to hear from Pastor Phil, we're actually having a look at the scripture last night at home. And you're going to be so blessed as we enter into 2020. It's going to be amazing. God is going to do wonderful things in the midst of us. And of course, it all begins with prayer. It does. It does, Phil. It does. So you're going to be amazing, babe. I love you. Thank and you. I can't wait to see you anywhere in any city across <laughs> the globe at our C3 Global presence to us so god bless you god bless you thanks babe good okay love you <laughs> <laughs> okay so let me share this just in a few minutes a prayer by paul for the ephesian church and i kind of made it my own prayer and the prayer of all of our regional directors and the prayer of all of our pastors to pray for our congregations along this pattern of prayer. There are two prayers that Paul prays in Ephesians for the people of God in that city. But this is the second one, and it's in Ephesians 3 verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just thought that, wow, for all of us, there's a reason to pray. And for all of us, if we are thinking about doing anything, dreaming great dreams for the future, that's a reason to pray. If we have problems that we feel are impossible to solve, that's a reason to pray. If we've got a community that is largely un unchurched, unsaved, not really open to receiving the gospel, that's a reason to pray. 
God does nothing but an answer to prayer. One of the great heroes of, of history has said, you know, the, the power of prayer can never be underestimated. Just, just praying on our own is powerful. But when the church prays together, that united prayer is the place of power. There's no doubt about it. As we enter this new year, let's start the year with prayer. If we start on our knees, we'll finish on our feet. There's no doubt about it. Praying is the first stop for every great venture in God. And that's what Paul does. He says, I'm bowing my knees in prayer to God. Bowing my knees, kneeling before God restricts our movement, which isn't a bad thing in prayer. It restricts us looking at devices, restricts distractions. And Jesus, when he said, when you pray, shut the door. Go into the closet, be in an undistracted place. Keep prayer meetings and our personal prayer time in focus on the things that we are praying for. I've seen many different prayer situations of pastors. One of them I remember was uh, th this particular pastor had photos of all the people that he was praying for all in front of the area where he prayed and he would pray over them. Another one was a uh, pastor would flip through his contacts list on his phone while he was praying and pray for those people in his, uh, in his contacts list or in his VIP list or in his favorite list. And, and there are various ways to remind us to stay in prayer. But I would say that as we begin the year, let's begin it with prayer. And that's how Paul starts this letter. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That's my prayer for you. My prayer for you as pastor and, and, and a team and your marriages and your families and your congregations, every single person. We are praying that you be strengthened in your faith that you be strengthened with might in your spirit, in your inner man. There are a lot of battles that every one of us face in being a believer. And we are strengthened through the prayers of other people praying for us. We are strengthened when we read the Word of God and the Word level becomes equal to our problem levels, becomes equal to our level of responsibility. We are strengthened by the Holy Spirit coming within us. Every time we worship, we receive another, another little input, injection of strength in our inner man. And so the Spirit of God is the secret to strengthening us inside so that we have a shock absorber for all the shocks that come our way. I've found that trouble comes without warning. But if you're ready on the inside, you'll find that you're able to actually withstand every attack of the enemy. In fact, when Paul is talking in the same letter to the Ephesians about the battle that we all face, he says, stand. It's not about actually moving forward and attacking. It's just hold your ground and be strong in the Lord and be in the power of God in armor, in weaponry with your sword and be fully clothed. And he says, and having done everything, stand, hold your ground. And you're going to find that as you're strong enough, you'll find yourself being able to take steps again in Jesus' name. Amen. Then he says in Ephesians 3.17, he's praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So when, we, when we're in doubt, we're going to find ourselves lacking the kind of assurance that we need to have in battle, in difficult times, in challenging times, in fulfilling a dream time. But when we decide we're going to believe God and we just say, have faith in God, 
Fear not, for I am with you. And we start to speak Scripture into our soul, we'll find that faith rises and Christ's power is dwelling in us, it says, by faith. And then we are rooted and grounded in love. This, this love of God means we will, if we're abiding in Christ, we'll abide in the love of God. And I pray with all my heart that the love of God would be so evident and so manifested through all of our congregations that we would be an oasis in a world of hatred, in a world of loneliness, in a world of illness and sickness and offense, that the church of God would be a place not of judgment, but it'd be a place of the love of God so that we discover what that love is. When Paul says in verse 18, he's praying that we may be able to comprehend. To comprehend is to actually take a hold of it in our mind and our thinking and embrace it as part of our life. With all the saints, what is the width, length, depth, and height of that love? The width means that God's arms are so long and so accepting that there's just no limit to the breadth of His love. And then He says the length, His patience never runs out. His long suffering, it's so long, His love is long. It will, it will take a long time for some people to come around and to meet the Lord. I mean, for all of us, we've prayed for people and believed for people and it can be very disappointing and very discouraging when we we, we, we find our faith and our love coming to an end, but God's love doesn't come to an end. He keeps on keeping on. And I remember leading my own father to Christ in his early 70s. We've been praying for him for like 30 years, but eventually he came through. He, he asked Christ into his life. And there are people even beyond our lives who, that we've prayed for that will receive Christ, that will come to God. And, and, and people who've drifted away will, will, will come back because the love of God is long and it doesn't run out. The depth of the love. God's love is so deep. It reaches to the darkest of places, the darkest of people's lives, reaches down to people who are in the deepest pit and feel like it's impossible to ever get out. And we are the expressions of that love. We are the ones who are reaching down. We are the ones who are widely accepting. We are the ones who are to be long-suffering. And then it says, and the height, the height of God's love is to take us so high, as deep as it is deep, it's, so is His love is high. It is, it is to take us to the highest of the heights of our life so that our best life, our greatest life, our grandest life is lived at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. We are seated with Christ, the Bible says. It's just such an astonishing thought. And Paul is praying that all the saints in Ephesus would understand these amazing things. And as we, as we look towards the end of this, this passage of Scripture, it, it culminates in a crescendo, this prayer. Because he says, now, as he ends this Scripture, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the the power that works in us, he is now saying now to God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above, immeasurably beyond all we could imagine, one translation says. The message says far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Right after praying that prayer where God is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we've just prayed, and believe God for. He says in verse 21, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations 
forever and ever. Amen. I love this because this is saying that as the church, and we're builders of the local church, planters and builders of the local church, he's saying, be glory in the church. Nothing else in the church is to be receiving glory or greater honor than Jesus himself, than God the Father. We are brought together to be God glorifiers, to be giving him all the credit, not to be taking it ourselves, not unto us, but unto him. Be all the glory, all the praise in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. I believe we're living in a, in a time when every generation from children to teenagers to young adults to middle-aged people to elderly people are going to find that they are glorifying God in the church. Every generation is, should be in our churches at some level or another having revival, having an awakening, discovering Jesus. And I'm believing that we will find that in this hour, many brand new young voices, middle-aged voices, older voices will be raised, raised, raised up by the power of God so that we're going to see a, a revival at every level in every generation touching our world in Jesus' name. God bless you, C3 Church family. We love you and we are praying for you this prayer today for 2020 in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phil. That's like a 10-minute, uh, like pretty full 10 minutes. He, I, got, I got a, um, I was sitting at my desk and my, the, my phone rang, FaceTime says, Pastor Phil, I said, oh, someone's stolen his phone. So, so he says, Lauren, good to see you. I said, have I done something wrong? The boss rarely calls me. It's just a bit of a shocker for me. And, but anyway, I love, I love Pastor Phil's heart for prayer. And um, we start all of our conferences out with prayer. Uh, we need to keep the value of prayer in our churches and in our families. We need to heighten that. And this morning, I, I kept thinking um, about, and even when we were singing that song about Awaken My Soul, and, I'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll play that in a few minutes, and I want to pray for some people specifically. Um, I'm just thinking about the, 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 the function of prayer and how there's been times in my life where it's been really difficult, just like, like pulling teeth to get me to pray. And there's other times where it's been a joy. And, and I, I was thinking this week, um, and I asked myself the question, like, so where does, where does prayer start? And what's the genesis of intercession? Does that come when I have a big need? Is that when, what, is that when makes us pray? What, what is it that would motivate you and I to pray? What, what, is it, is it our, our recognizing our great need? Or what is it? And you know what I think? Because Scripture is quite clear that it's from Him and to Him and through Him. Prayer begins in the heart of God. It starts with Him. Why, how could we ever think that, that we are that noble, that, that, we, that the desire comes from us? The desire to pray comes from the Lord. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over a few people for that this morning. I, I, uh, as we read through, uh, once again, through um, the Bible, and we have Bibles that I, I would encourage everybody that, to hang around, that hang around, hangs around here, reads through the Bible in a year. It's really important to, uh, and, and honestly, uh, we went through this about our 20th or 23rd time or whatever, which doesn't mean much. It just means that we did the, did the work. But you can read it and not get anything out of, it, out of it. But I'm just finding brand new things after reading it uh, sit right all the way through a number of times. And then we got these journals that started last year. We started off with some of those where you can keep notes of stuff. And it's about your identity 
in Christ, and it's, uh, so we're fire selling them for $5 each, or you can buy three for 15 if you want as well. <clears throat> Those of you who are really looking for a deal. Um, but, but, but as I'm reading through there, I get to Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, and it says, and it, it, it said this, it said that then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Uh, what were they doing before that? <laughs> what, was, what was going on up until this point? And it actually doesn't say they began to call on the Lord. It said they began to call upon the name of the Lord. I don't know if you're familiar with David's revelation on the name of the Lord. He, for him, it was a, a high and mighty tower. The, the name of the Lord was a refuge. It was a place that he could go and, and, and find uh, security. And so uh, I began thinking about this, uh, much more about the name of the Lord. And I went, went to John chapter 14, verse 12, and, um, and Jesus was making this point. He said, I'm going to leave, but my work's going to continue. I'm going to be going soon, but my work is not going to stop. That's quite a thought, isn't it? That the work of Jesus is still continuing on the earth right now. How's he doing that? I know you have an answer for that. But he said, I'm going to go, but it's good that I go, because if I don't go, uh, you're not going to be able to do the things that you've been anointed for. And so in John chapter 14, it says, he who believes in me, the works I do, shall he do also, and greater, because I go to the Father. So there is the works of the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm not confusing this with works of the flesh. These are works of the Spirit that are initiated by the Spirit, and they're the works of the Lord. And, the, and he, he said, the stuff that I do, you're going to do as well, but you're going to do more because I'm going to the Father, and what, whatever you ask in my name, he's thinking that we're going to realize that we're coming up a little bit short, and we need a little power assist. So he says, just don't talk to me. Come, come in my name. He says, ask in my name that I will do it. How interesting that he wants to do something more, I think, more than we want it done, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's an interesting phraseology. If you ask anything in my name, capital M, I will do it. Um, we've been known to say, well, let's pray and get to work. The fact is that prayer is the work. To do the works of Christ begins and ends and is all encompassed in prayer. It takes place as you and I hear and discern the purpose of God and the heart of God, and we begin to express that with words that it might come to pass on the earth as it is now in heaven. That we are seated with Christ is a great privilege. But what's he doing? He's ever living to make intercession for you and I. While he was here, he was interceding. While he's there, he's interceding. The work of Christ to be done on the earth is intercession and prayer. And what are we doing? We're doing his work here. Now, now listen, he, he goes on to talk about, and, and I'll probably talk about this more because I'm quite taken by this. Um, he, he says that if you'll ask in my name, so I'll do it. The, the name implies boy, his nature as well. It's all that he is, all that he's done, and all that he intends to do is encompassed in his name. It's not just a cute little prefix, no, postfix, no, what's at the end of a sentence? After we say something, post. It's a PS, is it? Did you know that people read PSs? If they, they, they might miss the whole letter, but they'll, like 99% of people read a PS. Did you know that? That's just a PS, but being a, being a PS that I am, um, all that he is, all that he does, all that he desires to do, 
if we ask in his name. Prayer is releasing Christ on the earth through you and I as we tune to his heart and express it on the earth. Um, finally, my last thought, the secret of prayer, John chapter 5, verse 16, when he says, what's the work? What is the work? He asks, um, the, the disciple asks, what, what, what is this work? What, is, what does he want us to do? The work is to believe in him. Part of prayer is believing that he not only is, but that he will do who he says he is in his name. And so then he gives this great little um, illustration in chapter 5 of John. He says, my father never starts, stops working, verse 16. Uh, so why should I? <laughs> Gee, he go, and, and, then he, and then he wraps it up by saying this. He says, that I only do the things I see my father doing, and I only say the things I hear him saying. He did what he saw, and he said what he heard. That probably summarizes prayer as good as anything. Do you know what the Lord is doing? Can you see what he's doing? When we're able to see what he's doing, we agree with him, and then we partner with him on the earth. When we hear what he's saying, we repeat what he says. Prayer is largely, which is why we need to stay in the word, it's just repeating the things that he's saying. And it's agreeing with the things. This is how things come to pass on the earth. Your word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven, the Bible says. But that's not good enough. It needs to be settled on earth. You and I are the ones that agree with it. We're, we're the ones that say amen to it on the earth. So he, so he says, really, that, that's what the thing is. Now, prayer is the only force to contest the rule of the enemy on the earth. If the enemy can stop you from praying, he's won. If he stops you from speaking, if he takes your voice, he can steal your faith because faith comes by hearing. If he, if he can silence you from prayer, he's won the war. The, the, the warfare for you and I, the biggest part of warfare is just speaking up and showing up. Just, just beginning to, to move and walk. And I find that if I can get myself to a place, he says, when you play, and I, I think personally we need to have a place and we need to have a time, that we get to a place and when I get to my place, I know how I begin, and I know I kind of, I've already primed the pump. I know that the Lord's going to be waiting. I know he wants to show me some things that are ahead for my kids, because he wants to show me what he's doing in my kids' lives. He wants to show me what's going on in my grandkids' lives. He wants to show me what's going on in y'all's lives. Just thought I'd feel, I felt Texan there for a minute. No, but he does. When I, so when I, before I get here, I said, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And I'll see him doing things in people's lives. And what am I doing? I'm just agreeing with that. That's all I'm doing. What I hear him saying, I can hear him. So I, I, I best function not as an expository preacher like my mentor there, but as a, someone who has a, a living word of the Lord. And when, I hear, when, I, when he begins to speak to me about the season of our church or the season of life, and, I, and now it becomes alive in me, and now I release that. If I don't release that, I'll go home feeling dead. But when I release it, I feel alive. Just how the Lord works with me. It's as simple as that. Um, prayer does, you, we don't pray for victory because victory's already been accomplished on the cross. We pray from victory. We validate the finished work of Christ on the earth when we pray. When, when, when you get tomorrow kneeling before the Father later tonight, when you begin to kneel, you're validating and you're agreeing with what God has begun and he's going to finish on the earth. And for some crazy reason, he's limited himself to our intercession. How, why that is, I would never have done it that way, which is a good reason why I'm not him. But he requires our agreement on the earth. And so we're to get together and we're supposed to begin to hear what he's saying. 
and see what he's doing. It requires spirit eyes and spirit ears. And I believe God's given us both of those, spirit eyes and spirit ears. I'm going to pray for a little bit of an awakening. I'm going to ask Beck to come right again. And uh, probably the whole team would be good. Um, see, um, I saw the Lord doing some things here this morning, so I'm going to pray for them. And uh, it's easy to have faith for things that you see have begun. I don't have to create faith for that. Um, I kind of like this. A little earlier, I said to Becky between services, I, I like it when you're on keys because I, I, I know where you are. doesn't mean where she is physically. But I know when, she's, when a song begins to stir in her heart, she has something for our church. And she's talking about awakening the soul. Do you know your soul can get dead? David spoke to his soul. Um, I just thinking about that because when God breathed into man, it said he became a living soul. After the fall, his soul d- became dead and began, now we begin to be led by the flesh rather than led by the spirit. Once again, we need our soul stirred up and woke up. And there's a few of you that just sang that song. It's even possible that you just had a cracker and some juice, but there was no faith in it. It's possible that you were just singing and not worshiping this morning. Here, we're, we're not here to just do this stuff. We're here to experience the author of life. It's a whole different thing. We're, we're here to come in touch with the unlimited one. And, he, and he, when he visits us, he works on our inner man that we might be strengthened in our man. You shouldn't leave feeling weak today. You should leave feeling like Thor. Like powerful. Because God wants to strengthen you on the inside. He wants to, he wants to declare over your life some things about 2020 and the decades ahead. Your next year doesn't need to be like last year. If last year was good, next year can be gooder. You don't need to look forward anxiously. You look forward in hope. So, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray for a couple people that their souls get woke up. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.